0: warm welcome to everybody listening today uh, to the LIBF financial advisor podcast. Um, My name is John Somerville, head of financial services at the LIBF. And I've got my normal cohort of pod folk around me, which is absolutely brilliant to see. Uh, First of all, Nicola Barker from St. James's Place. A warm welcome, Nicola. How are you today?
1: hello and hey great to be here um all good thanks to you john you're right? um,
0: lovely thank you very much is the weather as glorious in north of the border as it is here
1: it certainly is for once it's yes good.
0: the sun's shining on the right, just in the north as well <laughs> absolutely <laughs> glad
1: to hear it um
0: also joined by martin clark landmark ifa how are you doing martin yeah, I'm
2: good. Thank you, John. All good. Just just back from a place where I had Nicola's normal weather, as you know. So yeah. uh... you've been to Iceland. It, I... it was like Norway. Sorry, Iceland. Iceland. Sorry,
0: Iceland. Yeah, Iceland. Sorry. Iceland yeah. Yeah. Reykjavik in Iceland. Reykjavik. Oh, okay. Oh. So, I, I, how was it? Did you did you enjoy yourself? Was the holiday as good as it sounded? absolutely
2: brilliant but it's one of those holidays where you get back and you're absolutely knackered because you need a holiday to get over the holiday so four days of you know exploring coach trips belting down with snow every day it was uh, but really good really really good break
0: I'll tell you what all the skiers listening would have been jealous as anything because in the Alps they had a big dump of snow in December I don't think it's snowed since it's been terrible skiing season I have to say for snow but I mean good to hear it's good up north
2: yeah, and we saw the Northern Lights as well, which is oh, unusual wow. these days, apparently. Oh, amazing. Wow.
0: Absolutely. so. Oh, wow. I mean, were they as amazing as everybody say? If I'm honest, right. <laughs> so, you, know, <laughs> you,
2: you see all those, you know, obviously photoshopped pictures of the Northern Lights where they're dancing all over the place and whatever yeah. and all that. Ours was like a, it was a very bright green flash, like, a, you know, across the sky. Don't Don't get me wrong. Absolutely beautiful, wonderful to see, but nothing like you see on a on a
0: postcard. Ah, right, okay. But are at least you
3: see. Are they a lot tougher than the Southern Lights, Martin? That's what I've always wondered. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably a lot tougher to see. <laughs> so, uh, a coach driver on the way
2: there said has anyone come to see the northern lights and a few people went yeah he said uh, that's great he said if you're here for three months you've got a good chance of seeing them
0: oh, nice. <laughs> nice nice so, they don't yeah, say that so... on the tourist board information do they come and no, see the northern no. lights yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and you you heard the dulcet tones there of mr david owen how are you today lifetime Connect, man
3: Yes, very well. Thank you, John. Very well. Week off. So I've jumped on specially for this, jumped on off my bike and um, oh, it's, it's glorious. Isn't it? It, yeah, what, but what you're weather. cycling outdoors now, not in your garage anymore. 100% outdoors. The graphics are better. There's no subscription fee. Um, you can move. It's got all the advantages and it has cafes.
0: Which is the best thing about going out for cycling, is it? It's a bit like, yeah. again, I, I've, I was skiing earlier on in the year and it's the, it's the, it's the bars in between not necessarily the journey to them that uh what makes it all worthwhile i love the fact james may did a video
3: where he bought a 13 grand car and a 13 grand bike and he worked out it was more expensive to ride the bike because the stop at the cafe was more expensive than fuel
0: (laughs) (laughs) now i'm finding that hard to believe at the moment to be honest with you (laughs) I think that's, um, I was thinking of putting a bottle of whiskey in the, in the tank of my car because I thought that might be a bit cheaper than sticking glowing fuel in at the moment.
3: Yeah, well, we, we've got a bit of a thing going on at the moment. You know, we all had these smart meters put in. Mm. And we, we're with a well-known energy company that got taken over by the government who keep put, putting the price up. Mm. And they're putting the price up to like 365 quid a month. And we go, this isn't right. So we looked at the smart meter and at the bottom in tiny letters, it said not connected. So they weren't connecting the smart so we've now because we we'd had a hub in between, a new hub, so anyway mm. we've sorted all that out, so even with the electric car, we're using like half of that, so um when I hear well i've got a van as well, so when you fill the van up, you know you could swap it in, couldn't you, for a detached house yes um in anywhere in the midlands it's ridiculous um and you know so I think. The march towards electric cars is quite frightening because I won't be able to recharge soon because there'll be no bloody charges free.
0: Yeah, no, that's the other thing. The government have committed to having more charging points than fuel stations, which not or fuel pumps themselves. I think that's the thing that they've sort of they've targeted for twenty thirty. about time to, to get on with it, I guess it really is now. But I mean, funny enough, this does bring us on to our first subject. We're going to talk about a couple of things. Really, one is um, kind of current economic situation and how um the spring statement a lot of, i don't know i don't know how many times people have said it was the budget have you come have you heard this mm. every oh, the rishi's budget it wasn't but it was the spring statement for clarity for everybody um so rishi came up with uh, a, a few little um gems to steal the headlines but really I, I think we'll talk about whether there's any substance to those shortly um and really you know as advisors what on earth can you do to look after certain pockets of your, uh, client base. I think it's tricky for some people at the moment and advisors, you know, really can help here, but what, what is it that they can actually physically do? And then, um, lastly, we'll have a quick chat about the consumer duty, which some of you may or may not heard about. And it's something that's, uh, this mythical creature and this mythical beast that's about to actually hit the whole of the advice population, something that we need to really face into, I think so, but we'll start at the very beginning, which is, uh, uh, yeah, we started with price of fuel. And Rishi has kindly taken five pence off the fuel duty. But what else do we think of the spring statement? Who'd like to come in first on that one?
1: Well, I suppose um if I can, I I, I will. And um do you know what is between a rock and a hard place? Let's let's be honest. Um and, and the upshot though is, is Johnny, you know, you, you said it yourself much to do about nothing really um you know other than the sort of like the bombshell at the end of the reduction to 19% in the basic rate of income tax for England let me just get that out there not for Scotland (laughs) but anyway um then uh, you know I'm not bitter by the way it's just a case of um yeah it's yeah it's rocking a hard place (laughs) I I don't know I don't know what else to say to be honest pretty Mm. quiet
0: it was pretty quiet. I don't think there was, a, you know, I mean, I think the, the, one of the biggest headlines, apart from the fuel duty reduction, um, which, of course, then the oil price went up by 5%, uh, literally within the same day, I think, um, you know, so it sort of counteracted it almost immediately, um, is really the uh, national insurance changes. So, Martin, what did you think of those?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, we, we knew they was coming, didn't we? So of the 1.25%. I'm still. I'm sure I'm not the only person in the country that can't see the point of calling it, you know, something to do with, uh, you know, an additional national insurance uh, at one point and then saying it goes towards social care at the next point, but still charging the same amount of money. I, I can't, you know, it, it's just the way you cut the cake, isn't it? It's no different. You're not going to be paying any, any less. Could he, could he have delayed it? You know, that, that's sort of what seems to be coming out of all the, uh, all the podcasts and talks. Could he have actually delayed and not? not increased to 1.25% at this stage? Yeah, possibly. But look, look, for me, you know, the whole thing, I just look at um, what, it, what it's done is create an even bigger divide between the haves and the have-nots, mm. really. I, I mean, if if we sort of look in the cold light of the, day, the whole thing, most of the clients that we advise and most of the people that we work with um, can still afford to do the day-to-day things that we all take for granted. You know, we we can, you know, we moan about the price of fuel, but we can probably still afford to fill our cars up or, you know, Dave, rich Dave, can charge his car, you know, and whatever and that sort of stuff. Um, but you know, we can all live our day-to-day lives and carry on pretty much as we are. But what he could have done possibly is he could have done more in terms of things like universal credit and things of that kind to actually really make a difference. To the people that are struggling currently so I, I just think you know it's it's not whilst we can say that yeah and he is he I agree with Nicola he's totally in a rock and a hard place you know you, you can only get a certain amount of money from so many places uh what I'm reading here tells me that he did have about 25 to 30 billion of wiggle room in this in this statement <laughs> so really it was a mini budget in in some ways you know he could treat it as a mini budget he kind of did treat it as a mini budget by you know, giving us the 1% off basic rate income tax, but when he feels like it in a few years' time, you know. um, So, by the way. Yeah, it's a little (laughs) bit, it's jammed tomorrow, isn't it? But I don't think anything in there is dramatically going to help the people that really need help right now. Mm,
3: Definitely. Dave, your thoughts on it? I I love um, a quote I heard on Radio 4, which was Ted Heath with an Instagram account.
0: (laughs) 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 Uh, Would you like to explain to the younger audience here, by the way, who Ted Heath was?
3: (laughs) With his shortly, I can't remember what he did because I was too young before he was Prime Minister. I remember his Prime Minister. I remember he was mad on playing the piano. And there's a Monty Python sketch. And he said, that Ted Heath isn't married, is he? And the other one, you know, two old ladies on the bench. And the other one, no, he's a bachelor. And he said, oh, that's the problem. And it was all very... He it was, it was, it was a really interesting guy because he was obviously very happy on his own, um, played the piano, incredibly talented with music, came in uh, as prime minister at a really tough time, as you remember, in the 1970s, you know, inflation, the uh, top 26%, if I remember rightly from mm-hmm. economic history, uh, country largely run by unions. Labour government, you know, beer and sandwiches at number 10, that type of thing with the trade unions. It was a difficult time. He stepped into power for a time and just didn't last any time whatsoever. Mm. Um, Horrible time, really, you know. So, uh, and, you know, you can see what what I think what they mean by that is, you know, he's he's almost powerless with what he's doing. I mean, he he froze. I I love the fact that, you know, you you decrease... um, and this is behavioral economics at its best, really. So in two years' time, we'll, we'll have a decrease in base rate tax by 19%, or by 1%, so down to 19%. However, um, by freezing the annual allowances, it was assumed that that would actually raise um, you know, an, a, a good amount of money so for, for the Treasury. Mm. But in reality that they were working on inflation probably at the time of about 3.2%. So, you know, where it's gone, they, you know, to 8.2 billion, I believe the OBR, the Office of Budget Responsibility believed, Mm. but they reckon now it's going to raise something like an an extra 21 billion. Mm. So, you know, people are going to be taxed far more than they ever were. PAYE income Mm. tax receipts. Um, This is just over 11 months, 21, 22 we're up by thirteen point six percent so not only are people paying more tax but as everybody else has said we're being absolutely killed on um you know the inflationary pressure on what we're spending mm. so you're paying more tax you're picking up you're picking you're picking up less mm. and then um what you've what you're picking up you you haven't got to spend so i think it's gonna the whole context of it, I think it's going to have a huge impact. You know, I think particularly professionals in the industry uh, are going to really look, if you've got a lot of protection sales out there with people lower to middle income, you're going to have to really fight your corner because Mm. if you've got outstanding debt on commission, Oh my God, you you could have a storm coming over the horizon. Mm.
0: And it kind of, I mean, this kind of leads us neatly on actually something, um, you know, we were going to talk about anyway. Um, When you look at, the economic situation, your clients right now today uh, for, for the advisors out there, you've got um, a difficult storm. And it it was interesting, really, you mentioned in the seventies and Ted Heath and trade unions and um, you know, the country was experiencing uh, um, energy shortages, blackouts, even. I mean, you know, we haven't talked about that, you know, you know, we're talking about fuel problems at the moment, but I mean, in the seventies you had blackouts and people had candles on their, dinner tables, because you're expecting it literally every night that the, the, the electric will go out. Um, and, it, and you were also experiencing high inflation, you know, that not actually funny enough, not quite up to where we are today, funny enough, but I mean, really quite significant, constant high inflation figures. Um, and the people that experienced that in the 70s, who were just coming into jobs in their early 20s, are now the 60s and 70 year olds that we're advising on retirement, and they're remembering all this all over again. But of course, you know, they're in retirement. They want to change direction because they will obviously want to mitigate these high energy prices and high fuel prices. And, you know, they can't, you know, how does how does somebody in retirement give themselves a pay rise right now, Nicola? I mean, what's the what what options mm. are available to them? Do you know what I mean? You know what? what How can how can you help your client give themselves a pay rise to help them get yeah. over this?
1: You know, and, and that is such such an 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 open question i think from a a a practical perspective and and talking about people who who are either coming into retirement or or in retirement i think you know the the 19 percent income tax rate is actually going to benefit people in retirement at that stage so if it it's almost like if you can hang off for a year or so, taking your pension, then it'll be better for you in 2024 because obviously there's less income tax to pay on it. But what do you do in the meantime? And, and I suppose that always goes back to the whole holistic aspect of um, later life planning and what assets have you got to draw down on and actually pension may be the last pace that you actually go to for the sake of argument. So, so the, you know, there's no silver bullet in terms of what you can do to, you know, to enhance your standard of living right now. But actually, it's still it still remains valid, the concept of holistically, look at what you've got, where you want to take, you know, or where can you source funds from to take in retirement. And then obviously, uh, the most tax efficient way, And start drawing down in that respect. I don't know. I I don't know if that if if that answers the question, John, but that's kind of where my my head would be, you know, I think
0: I think that leads us neatly really to I mean, that's a really great starting point and certainly tax efficiency. I think is the, it was certainly your main point there, Nicola, if I if I, if I I get your meaning. So, yeah, definitely, you know, obviously think about what's coming as well as where you are today and where you can benefit the most from your tax efficient planning. Martin, um, obviously there are other routes. There are other things that uh, advisors can do to help. What worries me, I think, is that, um, you know, you, there is always this vulnerability question, I suppose, is at the back of my mind in that, you know, if somebody really needs the money, they'll take more risk. But obviously you need to advise against that. But what are the sources do you think advisors can can go to, um, you know, to help their customers think more laterally around where they can improve their standard of living or at least maintain it, I should say. I mean, at the moment, I think that's probably where most people are worried.
2: I think uh, that we've just gone through um, probably two stroke, three lots of very interesting times in terms of market behaviour. And, you know, as we said, we've had sort of the initial COVID where markets sort of really shut down. Then we had second COVID where it happened again. And now we've had the Ukraine war where it's so. So, but, you know, the first thing that sort of always tends to happen is, uh, you know, you always get the market panic, uh, as you know. And we've had a lot of clients, certainly uh, ones that have their money, you know, as Nicola said, ones that are in that situation at the moment where they're looking to start or have already started drawing in their from their pensions. And, uh, you know, that's obviously the most damaging time to be drawing when the market's going down. Mm-hmm. And, and it's what we're finding quite a lot is it's just about advisors using their knowledge a lot of the time and, and not doing what a client wants you to do for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the moment, you know, there's, there's a lot of clients that, you, you know, will say, as Nicola quite rightly said, well, you know, pensions for actually living on and drawing off of, isn't it? Surely that's the first place we go to. Well, you know, no, it's not. But I still come across a lot of reports where clients have got hundreds of thousands of pounds in cash based assets, but they want to draw off their pension, even though they've got sort of a massive inheritance tax liability and and all things like that. So for me, it's, you know, as you said, there's plenty of places they can go in terms of if they've got their assets structured correctly so you know if uh, yeah as we said you know, might might want to draw off deposits first ICEs, you know things of that kind if you like um but the, mar- the the market is behaving in exactly the same way as it always has you know it's never throughout all the, it's never been any different you know i, I remember when when it, it first, you know, really shot down when when Russia started invading, one of my advisors, so, well, the group of them, so we've got a WhatsApp group and we all chat on the WhatsApp group. And obviously all of my advisors are younger than me, okay, by sort of kind and and it was... Uh, no, know,
0: really? You know, yeah, it
2: was, well, actually, no, there's one, there's one that's older than me. Um, you yeah, and strangely enough, we was the quiet ones amongst it for a while because the younger ones are all sort of the... Uh, you know, they've got the stocks stocks app on their phone. So they're looking every day and they're watching the market, you know, probably two times a day, three times a day, they're watching it and it's red every day for a week in a row and it's going down and down and down. And they're all sort of starting to feel worse about it and whatever. And and they say, well, what do we do? And the answer is, look, you know, whatever happens, everyone's still going to be going to Tesco's to do their shopping at the end of the week. You, You know, the world isn't going to dramatically change. And you, all you've got to do is just do what you do with your clients. Every time you make that sort of investment, you know, can I call it a sale? I don't know. Every time you give that sort of investment advice is mm-hmm. look back over all those charts that you sell your clients. It, it comes back. And here we are, strangely enough, three weeks into the war or 29 days or however many years it is. And mm-hmm. the market's stabilized again, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so it's all about holding your nerve, not making dramatic changes, being sensible about where you take your money from. If you need to get sort of information rather than advice, you know, using things like sort of the the, the government website and, you, you know, the, the pensions helplines and things of that kind, you know, just use the information that's out there. But It's about advisors being sensible and using the knowledge they've got and advising clients at the moment.
0: Mm. I think that's really, the really the best point. I mean, at the end of the day... For, the, for, for younger advisors who are now, in, you know, in, experiencing these this, this level of volatility for the first time, really, you know, it, it's been a long time since we have experienced, I know obviously we're quite used to it over the last two years now, but certainly, you know, previous to that it was a number of years before anything was all over the place. Um, it's being able to go back to your client and say, actually, believe it or not, your investments are doing exactly what I said they were going to do. They are going to fluctuate. It's longevity in the market it's all these sorts of things that you advise your clients on is most important. Um, Dave, I I, did, I think um, one other aspect, which I think is worth sort of commenting on really when, you know, for for clients in these sort of economic days and and the situations they find themselves in is alternative ways of accessing money, you know, and and certainly um, things like equity release and advisors sort of thinking about equity release. I know you've, you, you and your team have been, um, looking at that a lot more um you know in the last few years you know what are your thoughts on 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 that kind of thing
3: i think it's coming back to what martin and nicola have said i think you know st- step 1 is uh, what was the interesting article on financial advisor where they said for protection advisors particularly cash flow was the missing tool and i think cash flow is the missing tool for everybody mm. you know i think this now is the time to fire up the cash flow app and you don't really need to because if you think about it, if you add 10% on somebody's spending what they were spending the last time you saw them um, on the income and outgoings, that that will be about right on how their on their outgoings have increased. I think now's a good opportunity to do the old banking thing of doing a direct debit review with clients, first of all, step mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. You know, particularly in the world of apps, because we all know, uh, particularly me, you know, I'll subscribe to an app and another app and another app and then all the TV we we once had Sky, now we don't have Sky. But I've got these Apple TV boxes throughout the house, and each one, you know, it's got Now TV, it's got Disney, it's got you know Apple Plus, it's got everything. You know, GCN for cycling, it it you know Formula One, everything. And you go, how much does that cost me? So. If we sat down with people and said, "Look, you've got all these different things. All this is going out your bank account. And and if you've got these modern bank accounts like Monzo or whatever, it makes it really easy. The bank mm. accounts are available because, you know, they've got the proper um, data analysis to show spending. Um, and I think what you can do, is sit down with people and give them a bit of a challenge and work out what, what's really important, which isn't. You know, it's a bit like with, when you put an investment portfolio together, you know, core and satellite, you know, the, there's the core things. BBC websites have got a brilliant thing as well about inflation where you work out your own personal inflation rate, Mm. which is hugely powerful because for example, somebody in the twenties, their personal inflation rate is completely different to somebody in the seventies. You know, if I'm going to be popping out of my, you know, um, Dacia, um, car that's diesel and I'm going out for meals out and I might be a member of a gym. Uh, and you know, I've got, and I like my house nice and warm, completely different to somebody who's younger, you know, completely mm-hmm. different. And I think that's that's the important thing to do, that to help people to, to spend properly. Then when I think when it comes back to planning tools, you know, things like equity release, well, of course, if people have delayed the, uh, the decision equity release, that will buy them slightly now as well, because the interest rates are trending up. Mm-hmm. So it's now, you know, it's more expensive to borrow an equity release. But that shouldn't stop if it's right and appropriate for somebody to do it, and they've used up all their other assets that they could use, mm. um, and they've got sufficient capital for emergencies. Then equity release does make a lot more sense, you know, particularly in those parts of the country where people have got far more, far more capital and they've got pensions. And I think it comes back to you know, good old Voyant and its competitors is running those scenarios with clients, having that proper meaningful thing. You know, I know you want to talk about consumer duty. This is consumer duty. Mm. This is helping people to make sensible decisions that are absolutely right and the most appropriate decisions for them
0: now and in the future. Mm. I'd say you, you are the segue in this in this conversation, <laughs> Dave. So thank you so much for leading us on tonight. But first of all, yeah, just a, a, a quick recap really is, is is tax and making the most of your allowances, making the most of, your, of all the things that you can take advantage of. Um, Martin's brilliant point, which was the markets will do what the markets do. Make sure you use your knowledge correctly. And then I, I've got to say, Dave, budgeting. I, I think, you know, old-fashioned budgeting costs nothing, but except for your credibility as an advisor with your client is just absolutely first-class um, assistance mm-hmm. in, a, in a time of, of difficulty for for people, um, especially when you think about, actually, like you say, in, instead of ignoring what goes out, on your direct debits every month, actually look at them and decide whether you need it or not. Um, you know, if you do need to pull your belt in, then you've got to be honest with yourself and ask yourself, do you really need that um, national trust subscription that you never go and see the bloody houses for and all that sort of stuff? Do you know what I mean? You know, there's all those sorts of little things that we all do. Um, he says with his national trust card come through the post this morning, forgot to cancel his direct debit. Although, um, you know, it, I say that. The reason why is because I just don't go at the moment, you know, but I, obviously the last, it, it does support a very good charity. So I'm not too worried about that, but, you know, obviously uh, I'll make, I have to make sure I go now. That's important. Make the most of my money. So does lead us nicely the segue onto the, the, the dreaded consumer duty. So I'm sure like many of us, um, we've seen it in the press and we've seen lots of announcements and there's lots of bits and bobs going on out there. And very much in, in the vein of SM and CR a couple of years ago, when that started drifting in uh, with its own deadlines and uh, certain things needing to be done uh, within firms, consumer duty is one of those that it's unbelievably important, uh, and, it's, uh, it, and it is coming in a direction near to you uh, this year. Um, so I think we agreed dates were 31st of July. This will be cast in stone. And then the date day for when it comes live, or well, Martin, if you can remind me very quickly, it's the end of August or somewhere in August, isn't it? If I remember rightly. Um, but very importantly, the, we'll get these dates right in a second. Oh, Martin, first of August. First of August. Thank you. So yeah. first of August, this goes live. Uh, that that time is just going to fly past, and and basically, there's a lot to this. Um, so first and foremost, you know, we're not going to educate you completely on this in this particular podcast but what we are going to do is a highlight the importance of it give you a couple of highlights and and b go and read some stuff or give you know point you in the right direction but seriously go and read it because this is stuff that is going to affect every part of the advice process so um i'm going to hand over to martin to begin with though um because martin uh, of all of us has probably done a bit more work than anybody um He's been asked to do some considerable work at uh, at landmarks, I believe. So he's, uh, he's uh, so, so he is the man in the know, um, and of the of the pages he's read, he's, he's probably in a good position to sort of talk about this. So, what what are the main what, you know what's the main thrust of that? I mean, it's not just not just purely TCF on steroids, but there's a lot more. To, there's a lot to this, isn't there?
2: Do you know, that was a, that that was a, a phrase that we used earlier, and I think that completely nails it. This is, this is sort of reminds me, and let me finish the analogy. This reminds me of a Harry, a, a Dementor out of Harry Potter. This sort of thing, because it's a, it's like all of a sudden you're not really sure whether it's there or not, and then all of a sudden it's on top of you, sucking the life out. It's it's just just an interesting thought, but that you can see once again that you can completely see where the FCI are coming from on this. Um, we spoke earlier about sort of the four outcomes that you're looking for. We said, you know, communications, products and services, customer service, and the price of products. So there's nothing new in there, but the approach to how they want you to get there, um, you know, once again, it's not actually new how they want you to get there, but I think the danger with this one is that, and I wrote this down when we were talking about it earlier, so many firms will look at this and they'll listen to podcasts out there on it and whatever. And it, it, they'll think, oh, we're doing all that already. That's absolutely fine. Mm. And, and it's it's just one of those where people will think we're doing it already. But I, I was just looking at actually, there, there's sort of a part in this document that, that I read earlier, and it was where it just says, uh, where are we? It, it says, yeah, cross cutting rules. So, yeah. you know, they're requiring three behaviors from firms. It says the three key behaviors are, take all reasonable steps to avoid causing foreseeable harm to customers, take all reasonable steps to enable customers to pursue their financial objectives, act in good faith. Okay. And then, but then the next line says the FCA proposals note, these behaviors will need to be interpreted by the firms. So once again, it's a, we're telling you what we think you need to do, but I'll tell you what, we're actually not going to give you any deeper than that. You, uh, you interpret it in the way you think. And then we'll come in and tell you whether we think you've got it right or not. Mm. So it it does, it really does require uh, some thought. They're looking at certainly more in depth in terms of where we've, um, you know, where most firms now will have things like um, the the product matrices in place where, you know, what sort of products will relate to certain age groups, categories, that sort of thing. I think a lot of firms once again have looked at that and said, that's fairly obvious, isn't it? Mm. You know, we don't really need to... No, it's really not. You know, mm. this really needs some work done on it and to really cover off things like why you haven't, um, you know, uh, why you haven't perceived that a product might be suitable for a certain age group or you've just you've categorised it at an age group and ignored everything else. I think we're going back into another world again where cost and price and charges are going to be under far more scrutiny than they have been before. So, you know, for people that are um, that have got a charging structure that that isn't sort of um, there's no synergy across their whole demographic of clients, I think that's going to take some explaining. You know, why would you charge one client one amount and another client a different amount if they're having the same advice on the same product? You know, and, and there's a lot of firms that do it. So there, there's a lot in this. And mm-hmm. I, I think the next sort of four five months there's going to be some you know a a lot coming out on this that that people are going to have to do some work on
0: i think that uh, that's some fantastic points and things like take all reasonable steps describe reasonable if you can't describe reasonable then you don't know it well enough if that does that is that fair to say martin
2: yeah I, i think so and once again you know it's different firms versions of reasonable will be very different won't Mm. they you you know they shouldn't be because reasonable is reasonable Mm. (laughs) you know and and acting Mm. in good faith that shouldn't be different because good faith is good faith isn't it but um we all know that there's different levels of good faith in firms out there at the moment
0: definitely And, and as as we know the fca required lots of audits to be had so you need to think you know if you were to audit this within your firm what would the audit actually say so you know what what you have demonstrated in your firm is this. The FCA would expect what, and and I think that's a really important point. Dave, obviously it's you know it's hitting everybody. I'm sure you are um, equally uh, well interpreting it at the moment and thinking about it from a, your your firm's perspective. What are your thoughts on it so far? I
3: think you know. I think if I was a compliance consultant, I'd be incredibly excited at the moment. I would I would think this is the best income generator, Martin, that has ever been invented for a compliance consultant. Because for me, this is RDR 2.0. Mm. So let's face it, we've got we've got a section of the community that well we're impacted by RDR, but to be totally frank. The, the the product providers did a brilliant job of soft landing us so we had people who used to charge pre-rdr upfront commissions uh and very little what they would call trail remember you had that choice and then all of a sudden all the bdms ran around to them and said no get your clients on ongoing advice charges and a, an initial thing we'll do it as an initial thing fee we'll, we will uh we'll facilitate that on the platform side on the provider side It'll just be like it was before, but you'll wake up on the 1st of January and you'll be earning 200 grand a year. Mm. You know, isn't that fantastic, go blanking brilliant? And that's how it's carried on. So you think we've, we've had an easy life of it. Mm. So with consumer duty now, it's now saying to everybody, I'll come back to the uh, financial planning world, but it's now saying to the protection advisor, the GI advisor, the mortgage advisor, here's RDR2, folks. You've now got to live like everybody else has. And educationally, there's no excuse anymore. If the information is out there and known in an efficient market, there's no excuse for you just to focus on your licensing area and to give advice just in your licensing area. So, for example, was that we mentioned before this one of Nicola's colleagues, SJP, has done a master's degree, he's done a paper, he's done a thesis, loads of stuff. If you Gone to TechLink, anybody who's listening to this, there's a little short TechLink podcast about this. Brilliant. What he found, to his surprise, this is a person who's employed in the mortgage arena, he's, he's surprised that actually when it comes out and you do the analysis, for most people, the best thing for them in retirement is a pension. Whereas what lots of people are doing is investing into buy-to-let as their retirement income. Hmm. You know, And then you, when you look at that, you go... So therefore, if you facilitate that without referring to a financial planner, I would say that's a breach under the new, new consumer duty rules. That's my view. Mm-hmm. And that's going to go everything. And where I work at the moment, we're all over this because that's how we, we're a multidisciplinary firm. We cross-check, we get clients on, we run the cash flow, we get everybody involved. You know, Teams and Zoom has been marvellous for it, but we can get far better at it. But if, if people are just single-focused, I think they're going to really struggle. And I think for the end consumer, I think that's brilliant. For the end consumer, because let's face it, the regulator, most of them aren't qualified in there. They they perceive financial advice and financial planning as the consumer would be, and that, again, isn't a bad thing. Mm. And they would, I would assume that they think that what we should be doing is guiding people to get the right financial outcomes in life, mm. not transacting transacting a product. So I think that this is going to be really interesting when I come back to the full circle to financial planning, if you've got a client who's got 80 grand in a pension, who's 45, 50, who's retiring at 65 or whenever, and you are you're charging them one percent of your ongoing advice charge and you do nothing else for them, how can you justify that fee going forward? Now a lot of people listening to this are going, oh that's disgusting, disgusting, because you're gonna see it's a threat to your income. And it is, if you're not doing broader financial planning with that person, you know, that they will probably have a mortgage. Who's advising them on the mortgage? They will probably have GI, who's advising them on the GI. They've probably got banks and bank accounts and savings accounts. Are oh, they getting the best rate of interest? Mm. They've probably got pet insurance, you know, that you might be wanted to move more of the pensions over. If they've got a workplace scheme, would it be better staying there. You know, all that sort of stuff. Mm. They and then if the FCA come knocking, the four outcomes, Martin mentioned prod, you know, about Having that thing, you know, science is repeatability, isn't it? So how can, how can you have a repeatable process if it's like, well, I think we do it all right already. And I think this is going to drill it down that every part of the industry has got to have prod
0: and be able to justify that gives the best the best outcome. Hmm. And it's that foreseeable bit as well, really, isn't it? You know, can you, you know, are you doing stuff enough to mitigate any detriment to customers in the foreseeable future? All that stuff that says, well, actually. I just did my bit. I didn't refer them on to the mortgage advisor or the protection advisor or start looking, you know, funeral plans are being regulated soon. You know, all this sort of stuff that's coming through that, you know, there was a funeral company that went bust, wasn't there, a couple of days ago. I'm trying to remember the name of it. But yeah, I mean, you know, all these things at the moment are interlinked now so much that... If you are not doing a full holistic job for your customer, is it really going to be, um, you know, can you be had by this new regulation to say, well, actually, no, you didn't think about the mortgage, even though you don't do mortgages, what are you doing to help them out?
3: Absolutely. What, one one mm. last point, sorry. I and mean, it falls slightly out here with your solicitors, but imagine you're an advisor and you're referring your clients to a solicitor mm. and that solicitor does an asset protection trust mm. and that property gets wound up in that trust. And then with the trustee registration scheme, we know that trustees are all going to register. They've also got to go put the names of their beneficiaries down and the settler. It's a bit topical at the moment, isn't it, with certain people hiding the properties in trust?
1: Mm. So
3: you could do that. All of a sudden, the trustees then go, oh, my God, I've got to pay, got to pay tax on this property above the nil rate band. Where am I finding the money? Because you are a party to that act, surely you, you should be better informed, which all falls back into this consumer duty. So I think you know, the level of professionalism is going to really, really ramp up.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Nicola, finally to you, really. Um, you know, mm. I know that you're not, you, you've not been too involved in SJP's uh, implementation of this at the moment. So you're kind of on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. but obviously you've taken a keen interest. Um, of, I think it's that timing of the implementation, how people, um, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, advisors and firms have got to start thinking, like, well, I need to do something about this you've seen this time and time again, like I have, and everybody else here, you know, uh, obviously the youngest and and best looking of all of us, but you have to say, you know, we've seen one or two implementations over the years. Um, is it, you know, just a warning to advisors really to get on with it, I guess, really face into, face into it and actually do the study and learn it.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. And, you know, I've been avidly taking notes because what strikes me is, um, Going back to the point that Martin said, it, it, on, on face value think well, this is what we do anyway, right? you know, uh, obviously positive client outcomes or customer outcomes is, is what we do. But actually, is it though, you know, it, it, and, and, and it's that whole siloism of, well, if you are licensed to do pensions or, or, or investments and you help a client in that arena, then actually, that's a positive outcome, mm. but it doesn't go far enough. So, so in my, I'm starting to, I suppose, again pick up on on something that Martin said is reverse engineer it to support. And I'm thinking, how do I support guys and how do I explain it to you know, particularly the younger generation of advisor? And we do use a matrix of needs, but mm. to support their own business, whereas now it's actually the, the reverse, it's to also demonstrate the product areas that you can't support and what solutions do you therefore lines of supply, what relationships do you have with the, I don't know mortgage advisor or whatever. So, it's, it's, so what you've done, and I'm going to thank you all for this, is open my eyes massively to think actually, this is a conversation I need to be having with my advisors to broaden their horizons because it is broad it's very broad it's very holistic and in it, in it's in the true sense of it and it's that definition of outcome for mm. a client you know it's that and it, it, what is that that's not necessarily a product it is an experience or being looked after or whatever it's it's yeah it's, it's broader than that so so I'm <laughs> going to say thank you very much guys that's all right. And
0: I think that, um, you know, the, the, the guys have come up with a, some brilliant points there. And I think that the, the, the most um, uh, poignant for me is that, you know, you do need to define the, 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 these regulations. As Martin's already said, they go to a certain point, but it's down to you to then prove to the regulator mm-hmm. that you're doing it correctly. And as Dave said, quite rightly, it, that if you are not justifying your ongoing relationship with that client, how can you justify your fee? And the FCA will really, really be honing in on that. That, This regulation is setting out their their stall on how they want to monitor that going forward, I think. So, yeah, it's important stuff, guys. I think, uh, you know, uh, 1st of August is your deadline, really. You know, this needs to be implemented and away it goes, really, from there. And, and, you know, heed the warning from Martin, I think, really. This is... is, uh, If you think you're doing it... would it pass scrutiny would it pass an audit would it would somebody looking from the outside in think actually you have justified that or is there work to do and i think in a lot of respects you do need to self-analyze and be very very critical about your processes to make sure you are fitting in with that i think that's probably the fairest thing you know firms large and small across the land you know from Mm -hmm. from uh uh from Quilter and and Landmark and and all the rest of the firms that are out there, including SJP, you know, they're looking at this very, very closely. So, you know, and and work is being done. So, you know, hopefully um, it's a good message to get across, but, you know, at the end of the day, this is ultimately doable. And ultimately you get this right. This means that consumers are served properly. That means that everybody, you know, we, we, as an industry move forward yet again in a positive way. So it's got to be good news. So, um, I think that's pretty much. I think we've. I'm not going to go any further with consumer duty because the most important thing, guys, is go and read it, really, isn't it, Martin? That's the thing. Go and have a yeah, good I,
2: look. I think it's one of those papers that has to pass the why test. Your response to it has to mm-hmm. pass the why test. Mm-hmm. And if you can constantly say, well, why is that then? Why is that then? Why? And if you get to the point where you can't ask why anymore, then you'll pass the test. Yeah, you know, they've got to be able to see. You know what you're doing and what it actually does for the consumer and why that is the best for them. And if right. you can, if you can still ask why, then you haven't got your your response absolutely nailed on.
0: Fantastic. Well, um, what I will say is that um, we, we we've kindly got um, Judy Party and Nick Dent from WorkSmart coming in to do a webinar for libf uh, end of april um uh, watch this but if you go onto the website you'll see the date on there and obviously if you want to come along and listen to the guys in their expert ways uh presenting that uh, a free to attend webinar from our point of view and obviously we welcome any comments from people um, but please do uh, go and have a look at that because it's going to be um educational and really help and and those that know the work smart team Um, will remember the support they gave the industry when it came to implementation of SM and CR. They were absolutely first class when it came to that um they're doing the same for this you know and and they've you know they've kindly agreed to do this webinar for us so uh, i'd certainly uh, i'll be hosting it but i'll leave it completely over to the guys they'll know exactly what they're talking about and i promise you you'll be in safe hands um so that's it really for me um apart from the fact i've got my cat crowing in the background wanting to be fed uh it, that tells me it's mm-hmm. time to wrap up our podcast today i think so um uh really uh, Martin, any more trips planned? Are you going to go somewhere snowy or are you going to go somewhere sunny this time around?
2: We are, all, we are planning a, a week away somewhere sunny in September. But um, what Iceland has taught us is that our, our teenage kids, that's the perfect holiday for them because they need to be doing something all the time. Otherwise, they hate each other. So, so, <laughs> so they do, they argue with each other all the time so laying on sunbeds is our now sort of family holiday so regretfully I'm not going to get any sort of rest until they both leave home and I retire
0: <laughs> <laughs> bless you Martin uh, Nicola I, I I have you got any you, are you in that cusp of planning something are you going to get away or are you going to oh
1: yes already been planned and in the diary and boot so um so Easter <clears throat> we're off to Cyprus and unlike Martin's intention of doing nothing and lying on a sun lounger, yeah? um, well, hopefully it's nice weather. So quite the opposite. Um, so yeah, we've got we've got quite a few trips actually for, for this year now that with the advent of removal of restrictions and I think it's just the way of the world now. You know, um, let's just get back and, and start travelling. So yeah, lots lots on John.
0: Oh, fabulous! That sounds lovely. Mr. Owen, you've got—I'm sure—you've always got plans for something or other. I'm sure, but uh, I, I, do you ever do cycling trips? Do you go away on with, with your bikes, or you? No, no, it's, it's finally a bit ridiculous,
3: really, when people bloody put a bike on a plane to cycle somewhere, and you can do it out your front door. But anyway, that's you know, I, I live in Derbyshire. You know, why would you want to go anywhere else? But anyway, that's that's my bike. I'm supposed to be doing a, a, an off-road half marathon tomorrow. But wow. in my training for it, my, my left legs more or less fell off. But that's wow. so. Yeah, no, but, but no, we've we've got we've big trip planned for New Zealand. So that's where a lot of the resources are going to. But we've been invited also to a, a wedding, mm. uh, family up in Anglesey. It's on the other screen over here. Lovely. Um, and I've got to sort out the accommodation for that. But That's another thing. I've you noticed. I, I don't know if you've all of a sudden you look at places six months ago and thought, oh, that's not bad. And you look at them now and you think, oh my God, what's happened there? <laughs> Something <laughs> rather expensive, are they not? It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. Nicola being organized, she's probably saved a fortune.
1: And it does help that I've got my own place in Cyprus. So I I'm guaranteed a booking, which sounds really crass, but yeah.
0: Oh good yeah. for you. Can lass? That's the way to go about it, it.
1: Exactly. But I am subject to obviously the extortionate flights, but anyway
0: that's a different story no, definitely well bless you all thank you very much for coming along it's been fabulous and eye-opening I'm sure for our listeners so this is me, uh, John Somerville signing off uh, and hopefully get you on to the next podcast and obviously do come and see our webinar uh, at the end of April for uh, for Consumer Duty and our, and our next podcast will be uh, recorded in April as well so look forward to that guys and see you all very very soon take care